This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 10, Episode 5. This is Writing Excuses. What do you mean my main character is boring? 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary. I'm Howard. And I'm Dan. And we are talking character this month on Writing Excuses. Um, again, all of the episodes this month will deal with this topic, save for the wild card next week. Um, this week, we want to kind of focus on main characters. And there is a problem I've noticed with a lot of new writers. And this is that their main characters tend to have two big flaws to them. One is they're boring. And the second is they have no responsibility or accountability. And I, I see this time and time again with new writers well, they'll have this really interesting and diverse cast and then a bland person in the center of it. Mm-hmm. Why does this happen? See, I ran into this exact thing with the manuscript that I'm currently writing, uh, the new young adult science fiction that I'm putting together. I was looking at the cast of characters and I was thinking how neat they were and I thought, you know, it would be fun maybe in the future to write a book from this side character's point of view and then she'd, you know, be friends with the main character and I realized suddenly... Except that main character, if she's not the main character anymore, she's so boring. Yeah. She doesn't have anything going for her except the fact that she's the protagonist. This is why writing groups are so important, because Mm. you brought this out on one of my books we were working on. Yeah, on Alloy uh, of Law. Law. What's the main dude's name? Wax? Wax Yes, Wax. I had written the whole book, and he was doing interesting things, but he had no character arc. And it wasn't until you said... Why is this guy the most boring one? That I stopped and said, he's not boring. He's, wait a minute. <laughs> See, that's that's the, the, yeah. the disconnect here for a lot mm-hmm. of people is that they don't realize that doing interesting things yes. in interesting places mm-hmm. with interesting people is yes. not the same as being interesting. That's exactly the problem that Wax had in that mm-hmm. early draft. He was a gunfighter who mm-hmm. could do magic. He did all these awesome chase things and investigations, but... He himself was a blank slate. Yep. And one of the things that I think happens is that people get distracted by the overall quest, and they substitute that for any sort of personal life of the character. At the same time, there is a danger that people will sometimes decide to try to fix that by giving their main character this deeply tortured past that has nothing to do with the novel that they're actually telling. No, that's, that's a really good point. Because sometimes, you know, Batman is deep tortured past. That works. But it's a deep torture past that drives his current motivations and his interactions with people. So one of the things that I also see is that a lot of times you will see a character who is there as an observer and Mm. other people have the agency. Yeah, this is the problem with the whole accountability Mm -hmm. agency thing that I was bringing up. Sometimes they'll react, they'll say, well, I want my main character to be interesting, so they'll make them quirky, but lacking all responsibility and accountability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Harry Potter is a wonderful example of this. You know, he's surrounded by interesting, active people who are better at everything than he is, but he's the main character with his little quirks. In well, it. Honestly, uh, so is Sergeant Schlock. <laughs> okay, he is he is quirky. He is a you know a, a weird looking alien, but in terms of accountability, that's true. There is not very much there, and that is why. And I I remember hearing this uh, during. 2004 and onward, a lot of people would ask, why is it that it feels like this story is really about Captain Tagon when the story is named after Schlock? 
Well, because unconsciously I'd uncovered this problem and realized, okay, Captain Tagon is a more interesting <laughs> protagonist. He's right. more interesting to follow. Schlock is a lot of fun to throw at a problem mm -hmm. when he wants to have things explode and things get eaten and whatever else. Um, yeah, since then, I've, yeah, I've mixed things up a little bit. But, uh, yeah, one way to make this work better is to give the main character more stake in what's happening. Yeah, I was thinking exactly that. That one of the things about accountability is that mm -hmm. it it means that when you take an action, it comes with a cost, right? Frequently, or that there is a price, you know, something that is at stake. Mm -hmm. And we talk a lot about the cost of magic when we're doing world building, yes. which we will talk about later in the year. But mm -hmm. that we'll think about that, but we don't often think about what is the price that my character has to pay in order to achieve this thing. Yeah, um, this is actually how I had to fix wax. One of the main things I did is I added a prologue in which, you know, we dig into things that had happened in his past. Um, and, and some pretty awful events happen there that make him not want to be a lawman anymore. Which mm -hmm. is what drives him in chapter one, which had originally been the start of the story, to leave and go home and become a nobleman. And that simple torture between my past that I loved but had a horrible event... And what I am now, do I let myself get pulled back into this, gave him a character art. And he mm -hmm. was accountable then. He had a, a stake in it. Things went wrong last time. If I get involved again, will things go wrong again? Better to not be involved, right? Yes. Well, I do want to draw a mm -hmm. slight difference between accountability and stakes. Yes, you're right. You are right. Stakes are, are the things that you, are, that you will lose. Right. And accountability is being held responsible for your actions. Yes. And that's one of the things that a lot of times you'll see, you know, there, there are characters and they're, they're an assassin and that's what yes. they do and they go and they kill mm -hmm. a lot of people and they're not really held accountable for doing these terrible things. Right. So if you have your character doing things, I think that looking at whether or not there's a cost to that mm -hmm. is going to make it more interesting because that immediately gives you a source of conflict. Another thing that's uh, hugely useful, and when we, uh, when we interviewed Pat Rothfuss a few years back at Worldcon, he said, you know, there's so many things that can happen to your main character that are worse than dying. Uh, often, a bland main character is driving the story forward, and our stakes are that, oh no, we might die. Um, if you have created an interesting main character, they have things at stake. The reader can be concerned about things that are not, you know, oh no, you might die. They might be things like, oh no, you might decide to betray one of your friends in order to gain advantage over, uh, you know, whoever it is that you're fighting against. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think uh, stakes are the things the character wants. Accountability is the prices that they have to pay. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, now... Uh... When you're talking about accountability, you know, being held accountable for stuff, uh, that doesn't necessarily imply, uh, for, for readers who, who are unfamiliar yes. with the term, that, you know, the cops are going to show up and yeah. arrest you for being an assassin. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, they're not you're not saying they need to be accountable to the world so much as that they need to be accountable to you as the author. They need to yeah. be accountable to themselves. They need to have some reaction to their own actions. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Excellent. Um, let's go ahead and do our book of the week. Yeah, the book of the week this week is uh, Wolf Hall by Hilary Mantel. It's a wonderful uh, historical fiction, which is the genre that I read more than anything else. Uh, this one is read by Simon Slater, the audio version. And it is about uh, Thomas Cromwell, who was the other side of the story, uh, you know, the, the man for all seasons, this kind of mm-hmm. upstanding Thomas More who will stand by his convictions. Thomas Cromwell was the other side of that who was willing to do whatever it took to keep the kingdom from falling apart. And uh, so it kind of reverses that story. You get to see the other angle, and it's uh, just a gorgeously written book. Um, you know, read that, and uh, you'll find some amazing characters, some amazing tricks that get played with perspective and with the voice of the narrator. Um, Wolf Hall by Hilary Mantel. Yeah, or have it read to you by Simon Slater. Go out to audiblepodcast.com slash excuse, and you can start a 30-day free trial and get Wolf Hall by Hilary Mantel for free. So coming back into characters, I wanted to ask you, Dan, how did you fix your problem? (laughs) Um, I'm still in the process of fixing that problem. Mm -hmm. Stage one for me was to realize that uh, she needed more flaws. What you said earlier about, uh, you know, the the gut reaction that a lot of people have is to give a dark and tortured past. which is, is going over the top for most, in most cases. But she was too perfect of a character. Uh-huh. You know, she was too much of a stand-in for the reader. Um, and she was overcoming a lot of obstacles, but she was not overcoming any personal flaws within herself. And so giving her some of those, giving her some things that she did wrong that she had to grow a little to get out of, made her more textured. Right. When a character doesn't quite fit their role, they become more interesting mm-hmm. to us automatically. You know, a lot of times when we talk about making characters more interesting, we talk about quirks. Um, I think that shouldn't be the first place to go. Having quirks to the character and interests and passions and hobbies, these are important. But really when we drill down to it, it's much more important with uh, the ideas of stakes, with the idea of an arc. Um, I'm going to reference you to three podcasts we did um, recently where we talked about these sliding scales, proactivity, and um, where we talked about likability, and where we talked about, oh, what was the third one? Proactive, likable, and competent. Competence. Competent. And when you move those scales up or down, you can do things to your character to make them more flawed and not fit mm-hmm. the role that they're in. Um, so if you're having trouble with this, Maybe listen to those three podcasts. Yeah, those are those are back from uh, back from season nine, uh, and I'll link those in we the put those in the in write the notes. Um, hey, I had a uh, I had a thought. You know, we we've talked a little bit about you know it doesn't have to be a dark and dark and tortured past. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a character who has a fairly fairly vanilla past, you know, nothing yes. dark and tortured, nothing awful, uh, things are running along pretty smooth, and then they are put in a situation where bad things are happening, and then they are learning horrible things, mm-hmm. one possible reaction to this is to reject that the world could actually be this bad, uh. to, to, to look at this and, and not want this. 
And that is a conflict that uh, it's a conflict I find myself in just reading the news. I don't right. want to I don't want to believe that things like this actually happen in in Syria or in Iraq or or anywhere. And that in and of itself can be an interesting driver for a character. You don't need to make them you don't need to have murdered their parents by, you know, well, I mean, Jane, my main character, yes. had a very happy childhood, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. She, there was really nothing wrong in her life except that her sister was prettier than she was. That's, wow, right. that tragedy. Mm -hmm. But but the arc that I gave her was, oh, that the long arc was her uh, recognizing uh, that she had been living in a naive bubble mm -hmm. and that she had been protected and been a child of privilege and recognizing that that not everybody else is. Um, so that's, right. there are a lot of things that you can do without giving your character a dark and tortured past. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other thing that I, I kind of want to talk about in terms of, you know, while we say giving your character quirks and all of these mm -hmm. things is not the first place to start, at the same time, one of the things that will make a character stand out is if they are coming from a different place, uh, societally, if you do have a diverse cast, um, if those quirks are not just quirks, they, they are reflections of the character's past and their backstory. And so while it, you don't want to spend a lot of time sometimes working out exactly, you know, my character went to third grade and they... Right. <laughs> it, I think that looking yeah, at, at a diverse cast... Yeah, stre stretching beyond yourself. We have a tendency as writers to consider our own gender and ethnicity to be the default. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, stretching yourself beyond that and forcing yourself to consider people who were raised in a different economic background than you were or uh, who are a different gender or who come from a different country or simply, you know, a different anything. Because all of those things come with uh, backstory and societal baggage that's going to impact how your character in interacts with the problems mm -hmm. that they encounter. And, and I want to say that when, when we're talking about having diverse characters, this doesn't mean that your story suddenly needs to become about diversity. Right. It's that it will change how that character interfaces with the problems that they run into. Like, I am, you know, just as a very simple thing, I am five foot seven. Mm -hmm. uh, my brother is six foot one. When I need to get something off the top shelf, I have to get a stool. He can just reach up and grab it. That's a really small thing, but Anything about your personal experience is going to inter, you know, affect how you approach problems. I view my writing through the lens of puppetry because that's mm -hmm. my backstory. So if someone's coming from a place that is where they are of a different ethnicity than the other characters in the cast, a different gender, a different age, a different degree of able, right. ableism or disabledism, that's that's is that actually a word? <laughs> it is now. I declare a it. different level of vocabularyisticness. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, um, a different level of awkwardness. Then that's going to affect how they interface with the the problems, and that inherently is going to make them more interesting. Right. Mm -hmm. Now I've had some interesting conversations here in which uh, I have had. To, I say here we're at the uh, Writing Excuses uh, 2014 retreat. A um, little bit of noise. And that was enough noise. You guys are awesome. Um, where I where I confess to despising mint in chocolate, hmm. and I did not know that. What, What's wrong see, with you? I'm there, there with you. Okay, this and, this couch and agrees. This couch agrees on now. You, you, what? 
And, and our, the, our couch <laughs> declares war on your couch. I, no, no, let them not like mint and chocolate. More for me. Mm-hmm. And see, our that's the way I describe it. War on your <laughs> I used to, I used to describe, I used to describe mint as an abomination that is performed on chocolate, mm. and that. That raises the stakes for a lot of people. And now the way I describe it is mint is what you put in chocolate if you want to protect it from me. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, this sounds silly and kind of lighthearted, but if you have characters who, you know, won't drink the same brand of beer or won't, uh, mm-hmm. you know, one's a vegetarian and one isn't, and they like different flavors of foods, these are the sorts of interesting things that we deal with every day right. and that we understand. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to stress again what Mary said about how adding diversity to your cast does not force your book to be about diversity. I ran into this problem with partials. I knew I wanted to have a female main character, and for the first you know, several chapters, I was just trying to make the book, you know, trying to write her as a girl and realized, no. The book's not about her being a girl any more than I'm Not a Serial Killer is about John Cleaver being a boy. The book is about her being a cool character. You know, get past that. Just write them as people. Right. Passions play a lot into this. What's coming in, you know, if you're passionate about your mint, that can alone make you interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and or when, evil. Yes. <laughs> when, we, when we say quirks, people think, oh, that means I need to make it so that they do something silly in every chapter. This right. is not what we're talking about. We're talking Make about them being passionate. And, and specific. Yes. Yes. Specificity. But, I mean, you, you look at the passions. This is the big difference between um, Harry and Hermione. Mm. If you go in the, the book and say, what does Harry want? It's so hard to figure out. <laughs> what does Hermione, Hermione want? You can say right out the gate what Hermione wants. This is a big distinction in them as characters. And the other thing also is that, that while there is something that a character will want, they don't always want just, like, one thing. And yes. that's, if you have a character that wants one thing and only one thing, and it's the same thing they are questing for, yeah. then you will wind up with a character who is one-dimensional. Yes, or is annoying. Or, <laughs> and... And annoying. Um, <laughs> let's I go- want there to not be mint in the chocolate, and can we go out for sushi, and I need a nap. <laughs> Ooh, I'll second the naps. And sushi. <laughs> We're going to give you a writing exercise. Now remember, like last month, this writing exercise will go through the whole month, but you can pick different ones that we do through the month and not have to have done this one. But if you want to keep going through the month, we will give you ways to expand upon this. Now, one of the my favorite character um, writing exercises is to take three different characters and walk them through a scene. Um, and have them interact with this scene. And then you are trying to convey each character's emotional state and make them all different, each character's job, and each character's hobby without saying anything relating to those three. You can't say, he was angry. You have to convey that. You can't say, he was an architect. You have to convey that. You can't say, she loved collecting bugs. You have to convey this and do it all on the page, and we're going to give you the scenario to go through. You are going to have character who is walking through a marketplace and they need to do a dead drop which means that they have a package that they need to drop off for someone else to pick up this is a common trope in spy novels mm-hmm. now that market is going to be the same through all three of your writings of this but the way the main character acts should be very different in every scene the I market actually... can be on a space station it can be <laughs> it can be where whatever type of setting you want it to be 
um, our Earth, another planet, whatever. I made um, my group of students at the Writing Institute go through this one. Um, so they wrote three different scenes. I, I do the same thing with my students with the same goal, but they only have to, but they have to do it in uh, three sentences, which is why I'm a short story writer and you're a novelist. <laughs> Epic fantasy. <laughs> All right. Chihuahua. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.